Mother, tell me how it was when you were young. Was the world so very old when your life had just begun? Oh, Grandfather, tell me, is it true you were... Good afternoon and welcome to Living Permaculture on KDNK. I'm Vanessa Harmony, here by my, with my co-host, Jerome Osentowski. Today's program stemmed from an article written by Raleigh Burley, published in the Soper Sun on March 22nd, 2023, entitled, Carbondale Prepares to Spray at Nature Park. In today's program, we'll be discussing tactics to address Canada thistle at the Carbondale Nature Park on Merrill Avenue. Our guests today are Gwen Garcelon, Strategic Advisor to Regenerative Business and Community Development Efforts, and Eric Brendlinger, Carbondale Parks and Recreation Director. Welcome to our guests. Thank you. Thanks, Vanessa and Jerome. On February 14th, Carbondale trustees unanimously approved limited use of herbicides at the Carbondale Nature Park in early spring and late fall for two to three consecutive years. Noxious weeds found at the park include common burdock, hound's tongue, yellow toad flax, and most concerning, Canada thistle. Eric, could you update on us on the current status of the park's approach? I'd, I'd love to. Um, you know, I think we need to go uh, back a little bit into the history of uh, how, you know, Carbondale Parks and Rec is, is managing our public lands. And so back in um, 2015, the uh, Board of Trustees enabled a uh, kind of weed management task force, which was uh, made up of you know, a bunch of different citizens that were concerned that the town was using chemical-based herbicides on public lands. And so after, it took about four years of kind of working through a integrated weed management plan, or five years, yes. Gwen just showed me the five. She was involved in this entire process, so she's the expert of that. But five years, um, and in 2019, you know, the Board of Trustees approved uh, an integrated weed management plan. And what what that does is it really flips the script on what a normal, you know, land managers in the municipal environment do. Hey, there's a noxious weed, let's spray it with chemicals. That that used to be the the first thing that they would turn to. Um, so we, f- we totally flipped that script, looked at all sorts of different methods to control and, and uh, you know, manage our, our public lands. And with the bottom of that list being the, you know, use of chemical-based herbicides, the bottom of that toolbox, we wanted to make sure that all those other tools were used and, and studied and managed, you know, prior to using chemicals. That's what the public want us to do. That's what we wanted to do, too. We, we really feel that that's the right thing to do for the um, soil health, really. The bottom line, and Gwen kind of taught me this, is you got to keep your soil healthy. And, uh, and so that, that's been our goal all along. We, we have not used chemical-based herbicides on any of our public lands, um, but we, we started to see the growth of Canada thistle down in the nature park where our techniques, our integrated techniques, started to not hold that at bay. And so we're really worried about that, that park um, you know, getting taken over by uh, an invasive noxious weed. And so we, we're, we were down to the bottom of our really list of integrated natural techniques. What happened after that, that meeting 
is I got a lot of public feedback, which was great. Um, I'm in a public position, and, and I welcome that, of course. And I learned a lot of techniques and and resources that I didn't know existed. So even though we are, um, you know, approved through the Parks and Rec Commission, the e-board, the trustees who act as our weed board to use chemicals, that does not mean we're going to if we can find a better alternative. And Gwen, did you have something to add? Yeah, I mean, I just wanted to speak to the really big shift that this um, that this really is is all about for the town. It's it's taken. I mean, it was when we put the integrated weed management plan together. Like Eric said, it was it it had at its heart keeping the soil healthy, and and. N- what we're realizing is that, you know, that can take a while for, I mean, you can't just start, you know, learning everything that there is to learn and become an expert in um, natural land management protocols overnight. And I've been so impressed by how Eric and the other town staff has taken this on, because that was the other thing that was really at the heart of the integrated weed management plan, was that it work operationally for the people who were using it. If it weren't about that, it would never work. So that's what's taking some time to, you know, to train new people, to have a whole different mindset of looking at the land and how to work with it so that we get a soil that's able to sequester carbon and hold water more effectively and be ready to grow food should we need it to do that in the near future. Yeah, when I read uh, um, the article by Raleigh, I thought he missed a few points about biocontrols and, um, you know, about the whole GVD I did on natural weed control, which has seven different natural controls for noxious weeds, and it's been out for about 25 years. Jerome, let me take a moment to instruct our listeners how they can find this DVD you're mentioning you can go to youtube.com and search for Jerome Osentowski's YouTube channel. The handle is The Crimpy Crew. And if you scroll to the playlists, there is a four-part playlist titled Natural Controls for Noxious Weeds, where you can see all four parts of this video from many years ago that Jerome is referencing. Go ahead, Jerome. We, we did a walk on the Nature Park a couple days ago and uh, just to see what was going on there. It's a little early to tell how bad those thistles are because they're still kind of sleeping. Uh, but I could see that we haven't, you know, you, you know there's more tools in the toolbox than, than you are aware of. Uh, if you use, you use the, the, the fungus, the, uh, uh, but, you know, there are six different biocontrols for, for Canada thistle. Can you describe a couple of biocontrols, Jerome, just so that people get a taste for, you know, what kinds of strategies and the layering of these strategies that it can take to really get land to come into balance? I'm talking about the, the different ones that attack the thistle. And, you know, most of these these weeds come from Eurasia, Eurasia, and they're not noxious. They're not noxious weeds there. Uh, just like we have natural thistles, we have two species of, of native thistle in, 
in the landscape, and they're not noxious at all because there are biocontrols that eat the seed or can keep it controlled. Same in Eurasia. So what they did is they brought the, the seed came over here, became invasive, out of control, but they didn't bring the biocontrols until many years later. So a biocontrol could be like an insect? It is an insect, yeah. Okay. One, yeah, it can be an insect. It can be a different things, funguses. But like the, the plumeless sisal has two biocontrols, and they work pretty well. One of them is called rhinococcus. Uh, Rhinocillus coccus, and the other one is a horridus. One of them eats the root of the first year thistle. It, it's a biennial. And then the um, Rhinocillus conicus eats the seed head. So that's a good way. And those, that's been around for about 30 years, and it's working well. Um, to, and it wiped out the musk thistle pretty much, and now it's moved over to the plumeless thistle. And you can find them on every plumeless thistle, just about 20% or about 60% of the seed gets eaten. And then the deer come and eat the rest of it. But on the Canada thistle, there's, I think there's four to five different beneficial insects. One eats the stem, one eats the root, one eats the foliage, takes the foliage off. And uh, there's another, another couple more. So you could get all of those working on, on the park. And what's another example of a um, of another type of natural strategy that w- you would recommend down at the nature park? Well, um, you know, reseeding, uh, remineralizing, uh, pulling, mantle control, goats. Uh, all of those are in the video, and they all uh, are are, t- are biological tools to 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 make uh, to take care of the land. But you know, most of the land has been disturbed. And or misused. I mean, look at the nature park. What what actually have you done down there to to do anything for the soil? Nothing but run dogs on it, uh, and all that dog manure is not really beneficial. Uh, you know, none. There's no diversity in the in the grass species. Uh, when we were talking about, you know, one idea would be to um, to burn some of those areas and then. Uh, come in with some uh, cover crops. Now, Jared has uh, worked with cover crops up at Irvindale, so he could come and spec out some cover crops that would uh, be easy to reseed into some ash, Uh, and that would uh, take that land to the next level of healing, whether it's compaction or uh, some soil... uh, deficiency, uh, pH deficiency. Uh, we're also talking about getting a, a baseline soil sample. And so the idea is you get in there and you see where, where these areas are mismanaged and you see, you know, what's wrong with them and you start to make these little adjustments. And, and I think the goats would be a great thing to bring in. Um, just, you know... Um, We'd have to get a donation for that, I think. Yeah, well, you know, Lonnie, Lonnie brings them in over for the... Uh, for the trailer, and uh, I, I brought Lonnie's goats 25 years ago up into the uh, ranch in Old Snowmass. Uh, Dale Will uh, authorized that when I when the video came out. I did a whole thing with Pitkin County, uh, bringing in goats and doing this whole biocontrol stuff. Yeah, I mean, if it if there were several different places in the in the area where they could be used and the cost could be shared to bring them here, I mean, maybe there's some potential there. We're looking at a larger yeah. collaboration. Well, she's looking at a place 
to store some goats here long term so she doesn't have to move them back and forth because she has clients here. So why don't we find some land that where she could actually, you know, 40 acres where she could keep the goats, then she wouldn't have to transport them back. And if they were need, needed at one property, uh, that would be a good way uh, to, you know, get maybe 200 goats. They could be fenced in for two days on these bad areas, and you clean out. And see, the beauty of the goats is they they not only eat the thistle, but they manure, and they also, uh, if you no- noticed in the video, you put a little backpack on them, and it sprinkles seed as they're, and they imprint. They're, um, they're, it's like drilling. A lot uh, of bang for your buck out of that. So, you, yeah, you get a lot of bang for your buck f- with, with the goats, and and people love it. You know, they like the idea of... Uh, of goats, and it's, it's just a natural thing. And then Lonnie has a business, and so you get a lot of input into the land. It's it's sort of like uh, Alan Savory's, uh, you know, holistic management, basically, is what is you're bringing in the herd mentality, or bringing in the herd to really impact the soil, imprint it, reseed it, refertilize it, uh, and eat up the weeds. So that's that's some, those are all the things we can we could put in your toolbox and I know that you're um, thinking of bringing in um, uh, Miss Dandelion over there from uh, what's her name? Karina. Katrina. Katrina, let's, right. Let's hear when she's going to be around because there may be people really interested in that. Yeah, well she has lots of uh, things to offer too. Um, she's, she does uh, some you know, but I've been working on weed control on big properties, 600 acre properties and, and two golf courses so I've, I have a, you know four or five binders of of a material that I've uh, in, that I've worked with uh, over the years, and the d- DVD and, and that video was just used um, in Boulder County to put a moratorium on spraying uh, cheatgrass or aerial spraying cheatgrass with the DOW. So uh, you know it's still being it's used, it's relevant, and uh, so let's uh, let's put all this stuff together and and uh, and uh, you know and then the bigger problem is that. That land has a, some, a much better use than a dog run. Let's say that we have the dog run there, but let you turn that piece of property into a community farm, and we could turn that into you know, the Carbondale's community farm with greenhouses, uh, agroforestry, uh, community gardens, um, and we still keep the dogs in- integrated into that system. So, I mean, we're thinking about bringing um, Kareen and... Um, uh, we could do a charrette on just designing that for a couple of days. So we'll we'll get into that. Well, I really like the idea of getting the community involved. And it sounds like after the feedback Eric received um, that he is now going to be inviting Katrina Blair, who was also mentioned in Raleigh's article, to come do a workshop in Carbondale at the Nature Park. And that's going to be on May 12th, the day before Dandelion Day. And she'll be demonstrating some of her approaches and tactics and uses for these weeds. Can you tell us more about that, Eric? Uh, you bet. Yeah, she, um, you know, when I, you know, put that that out, you know, her name came came up in through the process of, uh, you know, just getting some additional feedback. So it was great. So, so I'm all there. So I called her and said, you know, you know, educate me on how, um, you know, your techniques and and are being successful on on those specific weeds that we're we're kind of having an issue with. So so she was able to you know provide me with a lot of information that uh, 
you know, some of it was new to me. Some of it we've already tried with our integrated weed management plan. But it, it, we haven't tried the, a, a more comprehensive re- approach like she she's uh, proposing. So I'm very interested to, to give it some time, give it some more research and and to see, you know, the successes of, of her, her process. And, and, you know, then I hadn't met Jerome yet either at that time. So now I've met Jerome. And so he's, he's got turned me on to about 10 books he wants me to read. So, <laughs> so I, will, I will do that and educate myself in that process too, which will be great. And you utilize him as a resource too, you know, in this process. Because we're, we're all learning. And, and there's, a, there's a quantum shift that really needs to happen in, in our brains as to how to manage our public lands and and how to you know not see the weed as as something you know that that is yeah that is evil you know that we need to just absolutely kill you know um as fast as possible but to but to integrate it into a, a longer vision longer term you know not let it take over obviously and make sure we're treating our soil well and and giving the soil the opportunity, you know, to, to do what it can do with natives and, and re vegging on it with with intention, you know, and, and natives. So, so well, that's, the, the, that's, the, I'm learning a lot here. And but and we, you know, we know when I first got the job as a parks and rec director, I'm like, well, we can't have one plan for all of our parks because we have very different, unique park spaces here that. Each one has to have their individual plan. Each one has to have a different techniques depending on what you see there, you know. And so we we have a two acre bike park that it's irrigated dirt. Are we going to have a weed problem? Yeah, we're going to have a weed problem there. So you know, so we're utilizing a lot of these you know seven techniques that that Jerome was talking about in in different manners in different parks. Um, and even at the nature park, we've we've really utilize it. Let me just list what we've tried there, just, just for the public information. So we've tried, you know, we try to burn it every, every spring. Um, if we get the opportunity, we have manual extraction that happens down there with staff and also volunteer groups. Um, we have, have really been working on overseeding the disturbed area where we, we see the, uh, the noxious weeds kind of taking advantage of that disturbed soil. We, um, introduced, in 2015, a rust fungus, and and that that was working pretty well. We can't get the rust fungus right now; it's being reclassified, unfortunately. So we can't get more of it presently. But yeah, so so that's unfortunate, and because we feel like that was working, it was stunting the growth and the spread of the Canada thistle. And and you could actually go down and look and see the fungus on the thistle itself, so you knew it was working. Yeah, the chemical companies hate it when something natural really works better. Exactly, <laughs> right. Yeah, t- True. It takes money out of their pocket. Um, and, and then we've also used a, a natural burn-down herbicide, um, you know, that, that takes care of the broadleaf weeds, and, and that's, a, that's, you know, a natural product. So we've been using that also, and, and steam. We've been, we, the town bought a steam machine, so we use that in some of our other park spaces. Obviously, it wouldn't make sense to try to hit 35 acres with your little steam machine, but... But all those techniques are being used by the town. I just want to share that. And Katrina will be here the Friday before Dandelion Day. That's Katrina Blair. Um, and how do people get involved in that workshop? Sure. So her company is called uh, Be Happy Lands, and she's has um, you know uh, been working with a lot of municipalities um, down. She's outside of Durango, 
And and so she's going to be coming up here the day before Dandelion Day to do a training with our parks uh, maintenance staff and show us their techniques um, for specifically for the Canada thistle and the yellow toad flax that are present down in the nature park. Um, she, I asked her, you know, hey, you know, there might be a lot of people interested in this. So she said, bring them on. And, and so if anybody's interested in participating in that, that day's activities, it's Friday, May 12th at 9 a.m. We're going to be meeting down at the nature park. And she wanted to know how many people and the names of the people involved. So if you're interested in that, just email me um, at the town. And you can just go to the town website and look up Parks and Rec, and you'll find my email. Um, it's my first initial and then last name, ebrenlinger at carbondaleco.net. Well, that's, uh, that's going to be a great um, opportunity for people to get involved. And, and we also could do set up a, a meeting uh, at Third Street Center or at the library and show the video, and I could bring out all of the resources that I've worked with with the golf courses and other uh, large properties to um, draw integrated pest management plans for weeds. So that's another way we could do that. Um, and then we'll have uh, triangulate the whole thing. Uh, come And, you know, I think the goats really are, are an integral part of, of, you know, the strategy that should be brought in down there. And then the weeds, the weeds are the messenger, you know, they're really, and that's what Katrina talks about too, is that, and I manage weeds on my property. Um, and um, I get a lot of rabbit food from a plumeless thistle. Um, I don't actually, I never eradicate it, but I, I send people out to cut uh, an acre of wildlife corridor. And so I'm cutting plumeless thistle uh, along with comfrey and grasses for my rabbits. And the plumeless thistle is not as difficult as the Canada thistle. Uh, because it's a biannual. So um, the first year, you just leave it alone. Um, in the second year, it, it shoots up into this massive biomass with a, you know, with a, you know, a one-inch stalk. And you take a shovel and you, or clippers, and you cut it way down at the bottom, stick it in a garbage can, and the, and the rabbits eat it all up. Goats would eat it all up, even the stem. Um, so if you have rabbits and you're listening, get in touch with Jerome. Well, yeah, <laughs> Although just, you probably have plenty to yeah, we're just them. We're just passing Easter, and I've, I missed the opportunity to sell Easter bunnies. But uh, <laughs> so, do, you so, have, uh, do you have some extra bunnies? Oh, I have, yeah, 40 bunnies. Wow. Uh, yeah, yeah, so, and, um, and, you know, more to come. So, I mean, that's – but, you know, we – and then the manure we get from them is really integral into our – uh, worm farming operation, but I can cut, um, you know, two or three 30-gallon barrels of comfrey and thistle and grasses every day uh, to feed uh, to feed my animals. Um, that's that's a, a resource, and you know, and hound's tongue, you know, uh, again, we just cut that and lay it down, make sure that there's no. Uh, that's a biannual as well. So you have to know the weeds. You have to know whether they're annuals, biannuals, perennials. Well, hopefully in these these uh, workshops that we'll be following along here, people will get in touch and and start learning about, you know, how our, our public lands are being managed and how they can manage their own lands. Yeah. Um, and, and I'm really excited to think about a community charrette to dream and vision what could happen down at the nature park because part of natural land management is figuring out 
you know, how you can best work with the land to have it be productive and healthy and serve many needs. Um, and it would be great to get more community input on that somehow in the future. Well, look, at the, the town owns a, a rodeo and it becomes a skating ring or hockey ring. It has several different parks. Um, it has a swimming pool. Why not a community farm? Exactly. Yeah. I mean, it's just another thing that we could, and we have enough farmers around here that would help design it and, you know, train the staff. And the interesting thing down at the, um, well, so many things about that piece of land, but there's also a solar array down there. And agrovoltaics is something that's getting a lot more attention these days. And we have an array at the high school that would lend itself to that. There's an array at CRMS that would lend itself to that. Mm -hmm. So just lots of possibilities for ways we can really be more, um, thinking about the future that we're living into here and what we really want it to look like. I'd love to add a, a cider apple orchard with geese under it. Right. Uh, you know, and we could do a, a solar array with grapes in between the, the, the panels. So you're doing grapes and photovoltaic. Uh, and and that's a, what's nice about that is that creates a microclimate and the, the panels will, um, if you put a swale there, the panels will collect extra water for the grapes and create another microclimate. So you're going to, you know, you can do wine grapes there uh, right down there because it's colder. But you can create a new microclimate by, you know, mm-hmm. do like a zone six there. Yeah, interesting. Yeah. Uh, wow. Wild ideas. Well, in summary, even though the trustees approved the use of herbicides, it sounds like that's currently off the table while the town reconsiders other options. So if you're interested in attending the May 12th workshop, as Eric mentioned, you can email ebrendlinger at carbondaleco.net. You can contact Gwen Garcelon through her website, gwengarcelon.com. Jerome Osentowski can be reached through crmpi.org. And I can be reached through my website at coloradoedibleforest.com. We look forward to seeing you on May 12th and and at Dandelion Day. And we have some workshops coming up. You look at our website. Uh, If you want to volunteer, give me a call at 970-456-3480. We have uh, lots of volunteers coming up to do uh, um, tree planting and transplanting and uh, mulching and worm farming and mushroom operations. So... Give us a call at, at Crimpy. Thank you so much to Eric and Gwen for coming to weigh in regarding the Carbondale Nature Park. Thanks for listening to Living Permaculture. Thanks, you guys. Thank you. Pay.